Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you today. I'm glad that you're here, and I'm grateful that we're taking this journey with Jonah. Uh, when he goes into the belly, it's a journey, isn't it? And uh, we're going to try to traverse through that over these next couple of weeks that help us to better understand why he did what he did, how he did what he did, and what kind of impact and import does that have in our own hearts and our own lives. So I'm glad that you're here. If you haven't signed in, I sure want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Reverend Doug invited you to do that. Those cards that are there help us to remain in contact with you and to develop a relationship with you. So I hope you'll help us to do that. Hey, I got a quick question for you as we start. So, you know, we all have dreams and sometimes we remember our dreams and, and sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not good, right? But we've got these dreams. And I just wonder if you've had these dreams like uh, other people have. Have you ever had one of those dreams where you're kind of floating in space and it, it, you don't really know why, but you're, you know, it feels good and it feels positive and you're, you're kind of on a journey, but you're not 100% positive where it is, but you're just kind of floating in space. Have you ever had that dream? Anybody ever, ever had that dream? Yeah, some of you. I've never had that dream, so I don't know what it's like. So. But I bet you've had this dream. So if you've ever spoken in front of a crowd, you know, sometimes you get anxious and uptight. And so uh, some of us have had those dreams where, uh, you know, you're standing in front of people and you're talking to them and you realize how anxious you are and you, you look down and you're, you're fully unclothed, right? You're just kind of naked, sort of burying yourself in front of people. You ever had that kind of dream uh, where you're standing in front of a... Yeah, yeah. I've never had that dream, so I don't know. Yeah. But I bet you've had this dream. There's this other dream that, that I know I've had and, and, and I hope you've had uh, where you're, you're being chased, right? And you're running and, and you feel as though you're running as fast as you possibly can and there's an adversary, somebody coming after you and you feel in the middle of the dream like somehow you're just going slower and slower and sure enough they're going to catch you, right? And you feel as though they're going to catch you and then suddenly you wake up. Have you ever had that dream? Yeah, I've had that dream. Yeah, I know that dream. It feels anxiety-ridden, doesn't it? And, and the sort of legend or the, or the sort of um, story goes that if you don't wake up, that, you know, you don't wake up, right? I mean, I, I, I woke up, so I, I'm glad that I woke up, right? But these dreams are fascinating, particularly that last one, because I'm convinced that running, that running away from whoever that adversary is, that's the story of Jonah, Right? And the story of Jonah is that he runs from God, that he runs from his commitment, that he runs from what it is God desires for him, and he's running quite literally from God's mercy and God's grace and God's love. He will eventually discover it, but he runs from it. And this first and second chapter that we're going to go over today will help us to better understand that, but Jonah's story is our story. We often run from God, don't we? We often run from God's desires for us, God's uh, purposes for us. We often run because we're afraid. We're afraid of what God's desiring and what God may demand of us. We're afraid of how it is God might want to use us. We're afraid of where it is God might be leading us. And so we, we often run. And what we're running from, friends, when we do, is we're running from God's mercy and God's grace and God's love. And a part of what Jonah will teach us, I pray, is that we need to stop running and that we need to learn to welcome whatever it is God is calling us into and how it is that God is yearning for us to step into God's purposes. But Jonah is a fascinating one among the prophets. Did you know that he's in the, among the 12 minor prophets? You know those prophets we ever, hardly ever read, right? Obadiah and Zephaniah and Zechariah, Nahum and Micah, right? I mean, those are your go-to texts, right? I know, right? I mean, they're hard, aren't they? Whenever we read from the prophets, they're hard. They're, they, they call us to accountability, and they tell us how we've missed the mark, and they challenge us in our faithfulness because we've somehow not done what it is God wants us to do. And so we rarely sort of voluntarily step into the prophets, right? 
And it's hard to imagine that Jonah is one of those 12 minor prophets because Jonah's story is fun to read, isn't it? I mean, there's only four chapters. I invited you last week to read the four chapters before you came today. I won't ask for a show of hands. But I invited you to read because it's real easy to read, and Jonah is fun to read, and the story is exciting, actually, as you read it, and it's captivating in who we are and what he's doing, right? He's not like the other prophets, but he is a prophet. It's why he's found among those 12 near the end of the Old Testament, and, and he does have a story to tell us about not only his life journey, but the story of the Israelites and the story of us. And we need to pay attention, like any other prophet. You know, in all of the Old Testament, Jonah's not mentioned anywhere else other than in his book, Jonah, and one place. You know, First and Second Kings are likewise some great books to read, and they, they tell us sort of the history of the kings and the prophets of Israel and Judah. And in Second Kings chapter, 20, uh, chapter 14, we get the only other Old Testament mention of Jonah. And it describes him. It literally says, God spoke to the Israelites and said among, about his servant, the prophet Jonah, who is the son of Amittai. And, and, and then it goes on to express what he does. And so we know that Jonah was a prophet. He's described as a prophet in his book. And so part of what we begin to realize is, is that Jonah has a word to share with us. He has a word from God because all prophets do. They speak forth on behalf of God. They speak God's truth into our lives, and we need to hear what it is Jonah's going to say, even as sort of lighthearted as it may feel or seem, we need to hear what he has to say. And again, his book is like unlike any other in the, in the prophets because his story is about his life. And you feel his sorrow, and you feel his sort of um, running away. But what we've got to call ourselves to is the recognition of what he represents, for he represents God, and he represents the way in which we are called to reach those that we consider unreachable. So I want to, I want to go through Jonah chapter one and two today. We're not going to literally read it other than a couple of portions, but I want to walk us through the story because his story is our story, and we need to hear it in a way that challenges us to claim God's presence in our lives. So you may remember in Jonah chapter one, he gets called by God. God says, hey, Jonah, uh, you've heard of my people, or the people rather, in Nineveh. They are a mean, nasty people. God doesn't say that, but we know that because they're from the Assyrians who would eventually conquer the northern kingdom, right? But the Ninevites are not following God, and so God calls Jonah and says, go cry out to the people Nineveh. They need to hear what I have to say. And rather than do what any um, good God-fearing person would do, uh, Jonah just leaves, he doesn't say, I don't want to, God, or I'm not going to, God, or I won't, God. He just gets on a ship to Tarshish and goes the opposite direction, right? Doesn't say a word. He just kind of hops on the ship because he knows that Nineveh is that way and Tarshish is this way, and I don't want to go to Nineveh, so he gets on the boat to go. And as he gets on the boat immediately, there's a storm. It's like, Jonah, can you not figure stuff out, right? I mean, pay attention. God is here, and the storm is all about your running from God. So the storm hits, and interestingly, the sailors on the ship 
we're told in Jonah chapter 1, they begin to pray to their own gods. They're, they're people of faith. They're, they're just not people of the Hebrew faith, certainly not of the Christian faith, but they've got these deities that they pray to, right? The God of the sun or the stars or the moon or the ocean or whatever. They go pray into that God, because those gods, because they need help, and they're, they're actually people who desire that, so they start doing it. And you know where Jonah is? <laughs> He's down in the hold of the ship asleep. He doesn't care. In fact, he, he hasn't a clue that there's a big old storm, but the captain is, and the captain's concerned. So the captain goes down into the hole and wakes Jonah up, and his first inclination to Jonah is not why are you sleeping so much as why aren't you praying to your God, the ship captain? Why aren't you praying to your God? Your God might have a word for us. Your God might have something to solve this issue. I found that fascinating. But the story doesn't stop there. You see, what happens further is that um, the sailors determine, we got to cast lots. we got to know who caused this dilemma. Why are we in this pickle, right? So let's cast lots. You know what that is? That's throwing dice, right? That's the biblical way to make a decision. Hello. You read in the New Testament, the same deal. When they, when they replaced Judas, what do they do? They cast lots because the belief was that if you cast lots wherever it lands, that that clearly is God's desire, that that's God's will, Right? There was no voting. It doesn't happen. That's not how we make Christian-based decisions. We, we cast lots. I, I never cast a lot in my life. Have you? You don't need to fast. It's all right. I mean, it's just this is the way we make decisions. The only vote that was ever recorded in all of the New Testament is the vote in, in Acts chapter 27 where they, did, they, they cast a vote to determine whether Paul and the kids ought to go over to, to Rome. And you remember the story? They, they had a shipwreck. It didn't go over so well. Voting is not a Christian thing. It's a democratic thing, and it's a good thing, and I hope you go vote on Tuesday if you haven't already. But in our faith life, we commit ourselves to God's will. And when we want to know God's will, we seek it. We ask. We figure. We pray. We discern. We, we meditate, right? And so when they cast lots, they were trying to determine what is God's will here and what's going to happen well, the lot, you may remember, it falls on Jonah. Jonah, you're the one. You're the guy. And, and you know, Jonah doesn't turn away from that. He doesn't deny that. The, the people, actually, the, the sailors are fascinating about it. They don't point fingers either. They don't say, you're, you're to blame, and why'd you get us into all this? They ask him questions like, what's your name? Where are you from? What's the God you follow? Maybe, maybe you could talk to that guy. I mean, it's like this fascinating conversation that they're all in a storm and they're about to die, and yet they're all, all they want to know is, what's your name? Where are you from? But what they know is that he's got something to do with what's going on in their lives, right? And so after they've cast lots and after they've had this concern, Jonah simply says, I follow the Lord, Yahweh. I follow the God who created all things. I follow the God who's actually making all this happen. And, and lest they could have said to him, then get off the ship, you're causing all the problems. Jonah actually said to them, why don't you throw me off the ship? If you'll just throw me off the ship, this will solve everything. But do you remember what they did? <laughs> they started rowing. We can fix this. We can make this happen. It's all right. I'm sorry that we're in this mess, but man, we'll kind of fix this. And Jonah says, no. And they begin to pray to his God. He has a witness to them. He bears testimony to his own God, our God, the God. 
and they begin to believe, and they want to pray to that God. And finally, after they've prayed to that God, Jonah just says, I just need you to throw me overboard. If you'll just throw me overboard, everything will work. Sounds like a good idea to me. So they throw him over, and instantly the, the storm stops. And do you know what those sailors did? After they had prayed to God, the God, after they had hear, heard witness from Jonah, they made a vow and they offered a sacrifice to God because they were grateful, because they now believed, because their lives had been transformed, because they had been changed through a simple witness by a guy who just said, throw me overboard. <laughs> I follow the God of gods, the God above all. And now those sailors do. And you remember the rest of the story, of course, in, Je in Jonah chapter 1, is Jonah gets swallowed by a fish, a big fish. It's not a whale. It's a big fish. I don't know what kind of fish, but it's not a whale. And then chapter 2 is Jonah literally praying to God, and it's fascinating prayer because it's not a prayer of, hey, deliver me, God. Get me out of this place, God. He's in the belly of that big fish for three days. Wow, that sounds familiar. Three days, three nights, an empty tomb, a resurrection. Maybe he knows. Maybe he understands. But his prayer in Jonah chapter 2 is a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of hope, a prayer of commitment, and a prayer to recognize God is with him even through the belly of the fish. And then, of course, the end of chapter 2 I love it when you read the very last verse. Depending on your translation, it'll say anything from the fish spit him out to the fish vomited him out to the fish spewed him out. And I don't doubt for a second every one of us in this room has felt the dark, dank belly of a fish in our lives. For some of us, that's been years ago. For some of us, it's right now. And we can't quite see the light and we can't quite feel the hope, and we can't quite see what the future holds, and we're not 100% positive that God is there. But I want to tell you, Jonah has a different story for us because he knew the belly of a fish, didn't he? And he understood how hopeless it feels, and yet he also recognized that there was a richness in what God could and would do, right? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I know we felt the belly of a whale. Somehow we felt it either in our work life, maybe our family life, uh, maybe in our own addictions, maybe in some strenuous circumstances that are just pushing and oppressing upon us, maybe even the national circumstance. We may feel as though we're in the belly of a fish, and it feels dark, doesn't it, when you're there? And it feels as though there may be no way out. I'm sure that's the way Jonah felt. I'm sure that's the way it seemed when he was in the belly of that fish. But what Jonah teaches us is God is with us, and God will always prevail, and God has a way forward, and God will guide us through this dilemma. You know, Kay and I at our home for years have had this um, landscape rock uh, it's one of those preformed, and it's got a little saying in it. It just says, if God, feels, uh, if God feels gone, guess who moved? It's not God. It's us. 
For far too often we have in our guilt or our shame or in our circumstances that we felt somehow unworthy, we have hidden from God or we've turned our back on God or we've gone the other way, away from God. That's what Jonah was doing, right? He didn't say word one to God. He just turned and hightailed it to Tarshish because he didn't understand that God wanted him just as he was. And God wanted to use him in a powerful way to cause the Ninevites, even the Ninevites, to repent and turn toward God. This is the gift that Jonah can help us better understand. And so I want to share with you what I believe Jonah can help us to know in our own lives when we are in the belly of a fish, because we've all either been there or we are there right now. First thing I discover from Jonah is this, that we can never, ever escape God's presence. That's good news, friends. For far too often, we've tried to escape God's presence in our guilt or shame. Far too often, we've tried to figure out a way to run from God because we didn't feel like somehow we were worthy. That's what Jonah was doing right? When he went in the boat to go to Tarshish, he thought he was going away from the presence of God. When he was in the belly of the boat, he thought he was away from the presence of God. When he was in the belly of the fish, he assumed he was, in the, he was uh, out of the presence of God. But in all circumstances, God was with him, and God helped him to move beyond those circumstances. I love the way the text literally reads when you read chapter 1 of Jonah, the, fir- the third verse, it just says, Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then it describes how he got on the boat through Joppa and then went on. And then it says at the very end of that same verse, away from the presence of the Lord. That's what he was seeking. He wasn't so much seeking to run away from Nineveh. He was seeking to run away from the presence of God because he knew God had a purpose for him and God was going to utilize him, and he was afraid, so he wanted to run from the presence of God. So powerful was this and so well-known was this. You go into verse 10, and the shipmates, the, the, the uh, sailors literally know this. Look at verse 10. The men, meaning the sailors, knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. He wasn't ashamed of it. <laughs> he was just running. And man, there are bunches of us who run from God, who try to figure out a way to hide from the presence of the Lord. And I don't know if you've figured this out or not, but can't do it. God is with us wherever we are. God follows us wherever we go. God leads us into places we don't necessarily want to go, but when God leads us, God has a way for us to get there, and God can guide us through all of that. I love the way King David, when he, he wrote several of the Psalms, and he wrote Psalm 139, which I want to encourage you to read this afternoon. In part, what Psalm 139 says in verses 7 and 8 is just this, you, I cannot escape the Spirit of the Lord. I cannot get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. And there's so much truth to that. And what I want to honor Jonah with and offer to you is this powerful gift that no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter how unworthy you may feel, no matter what the pit of the fish is that you find yourself in right now, God is there, and God wants a relationship with you, and God desires to love you and to swallow you with God's grace. 
so that you will know that you're not alone and that you need not fear, but that God is there. I pray that you know that this day and the next. Jonah teaches us that we cannot escape the presence of the Lord. The second thing that Jonah teaches us is, is that we cannot escape the purpose of the Lord. Man, he, he knew instantly when God called him, you're, you're to go tell those Ninevites that they're not doing the right thing and they need to know God and they need to repent and they need to claim holiness, right? And he, he knew what that was. <laughs> he knew what it might mean to him. He knew how hard that would be, and so he ran from the purpose of God. And there are some other pretty big names in the Bible that tried to run from the purposes of God. You know them. Moses, he tried to run for 40 years, couldn't get away. David, who did all kinds of bad stuff but still had the heart of God at his core, he tried to run. Paul, who was Saul, tried to run, kill people, persecute people, but he, God finally caught up with him, you see, because you cannot escape the purpose of God. When God calls us, when God leads us, when God sends us, we will be afraid. <laughs> we will not feel worthy. We will be uh, as if I, I don't want to do this, right? All of that would be normal and natural. You know why you know Moses and David and Paul and all the rest? Not because they were perfect, not because they had it all together, not because they did everything just as God had intended for them to do. You know them because they were courageous and faithful to know that they could not escape the purposes of God. They chose to trust. They, trust, they chose to follow and to go where God desired for them to go. I love the way Paul, the apostle, put it when he wrote to the church at Philippi as he was trying to help them understand their own purposes he would literally just say in the second chapter, uh, quite literally, it is God who gives you both the, the insight and the uh, capability to do God's purposes. We're called to do that. But we all want to run because we're all afraid. And I know what that feels like. My very call to ordain ministry is full of running full of turning my back on God, full of not understanding what God desired for me. I was 16 years old when I first felt God tugging at my heart. I didn't understand what it was for. I didn't understand what God wanted. I, I knew that I loved Jesus. I knew that I loved God. I knew that I loved the church. I knew that I wanted to do good, but I didn't know what this sense was that God was sort of knocking at the door and kind of tapping me on the back of the shoulder and saying, I want you, Daniel. I want you to do my work. I want you to preach my gospel. I want you to help people understand Jesus. And I'm 16, and I was ashamed. I, I didn't think I was worthy. I, I didn't think I could. So I, I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my pastor. I didn't tell my youth pastor. I didn't tell my girlfriend. I didn't tell anybody. But by golly, I talked to God a lot, and there were some frank words and some words that I'm not proud to say as a pastor. But I talked and I cussed. I cried and I prayed. And most of all, what I thought at age 16 was, well, you know, I, I couldn't be a pastor. I mean, I wasn't a troublemaker, but I loved to have a good time. I loved to, you know, kind of get into things and instigate things. And by golly, I sure didn't want to be one of those old, fat, bald guys who preaches every Sunday. <laughs> How did that happen? All I could see every Sunday was an old man standing up there, and I wasn't old, and I wasn't fudgy like him. I didn't, you know... And then it just happens. 
But I'm here to tell you, for three years, I prayed every day, and I ran every day until one day it became obvious, and God set a very clear picture in front of me, and I could run no longer. And what I just want to say to you is what I discovered and what Jonah knows and what David and Moses and many others know, and I pray you will know, is that you can run, that you cannot hide. When God has a purpose for you, when God desires for you to do what God desires, you can run all you want, but you cannot escape the purpose of God. And I need for you to hear this. That's good news, friends. That's powerful good news because it means God is guiding you, God is directing you, and God will be there for you. That's what God did for Jonah, even in the belly of the fish. God was with him, God was helping him, and, God dis and, and Jonah discovered how powerful that gift of God's presence and purpose was. Ultimately, what I think we learn from Jonah is that we cannot escape God's passion. Because not only is God's uh, presence with us, not only is God's purpose before us, but God's passion is within us. Because from the very day you were born, from the very beginning of all of creation, God desired to be in relationship with us. God desired to love and care for us. God desired to help us do God's good work in the world. And that's called love and mercy and grace. And we sometimes just refer to that as God's passion. And in the middle of that belly, in the deep, dark dankness of it, Jonah seemed to know that. He seemed to discover that because in chapter 2, he gives this magnificent psalm or prayer to God, in part saying things just like this in chapter 2, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and God answered me. Verse 6, but you saved me from the pit of death, Lord my God. Verse 9, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. He understood that even in the horrible sense of that way of that belly's uh, uh, the fish's belly that God was with him and that God's passion was pushing him and that God's passion would empower him to share this good news and of course he would to the Ninevites and even to himself eventually you'll hear much more about that in the next two weeks but a part of what I glean from Jonah is the powerful word that Paul the apostle shared with the church at Rome in Romans chapter 8 when he literally just said, I am convinced that there is nothing. I want you to hear this. There is nothing. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're going, no matter how you've come, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. And friends, that's Jonah's story, and it's my story and it's your story. I don't know what you're running from. I don't know if it's intimacy or responsibility or uh, relationships or work or I don't know what you're running from, but we've all found ourselves running in that dream. And we find ourselves running in that dream because we're not clear about what the future holds and we don't understand God's purposes for our life and we're not 100% positive that God's present with us. I don't know what you're running from, but I just need you to know this. God loves you. God wants to be there with you. And God has a purpose for you. 
whatever that calling is, wherever God's guiding you, wherever God's directing you, I need you to pause and look and listen and to discover the great joy that God desires for you to keep going. It may be dark in that belly. It may stink in that belly. It may feel horrible in that belly. But what you got to know is God's got a way out and God's got a way forward and God desires to use you to make that possible. Will you trust that? Will you believe that? I pray that you do because God's got something big in store for you. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for your son Jesus, for the powerful ways that he calls and prepares and equips us for your ministry. Thank you, God, for Jonah and the wonderful prophetic word that he offers to us that we are called, that we are equipped, that we can share your good news and that we cannot escape your presence, your purpose, or your passion. Help us, Lord, to trust that that's true. And may we follow through by loving and living for you in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we now pray. Amen.